0: Hello everyone, I'm just speaking to Henry Wagner of Polymath Tabletop. He's currently running a one-day series called The Gauntlet, so I just wanted to speak to him about running one-day tournaments and also how he got into the hobby. So my first question is, how did you get into the hobby? Uh, Well, the first game that
1: I played was Warhammer Fantasy. What happened was, about 20 years ago, in Grade 4, one of my mates brought in a white dwarf to school, uh, and I was just instantly hooked. I loved the models, thought they were the, the coolest thing I'd ever seen, loved reading all the lore, and then just kind of never left the hobby. I've been kind of in and out over the years mm-hmm. as other things have popped up and switched games, played pretty much every game under the sun, but I've always kind of come back to, to Games Workshop just because they are such a – they're the big guys in the community, yeah. so they, they do produce a lot of the best stuff. But, yeah, it's, it's been a life, uh, lifelong hobby for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Was that the, the the white dwarf? Was that more forty k focused or fantasy focused? That sort of brings you in.
1: Ah, uh, well, it was fantasy focused um, okay. back then. In the white dwarf, there was they had a battle report with lizard men. Yeah, and back then, and even still today, I'm a massive dinosaur nerd, mm-hmm. so I saw giant dinosaurs and you can push them around the table and have them kill other people and i was just like <laughs> yep I'm, I'm done everything else is nowhere near as cool as this so
0: here's my fantasy in real world
1: yeah basically so yeah. and that's why i've kind of like i'm playing seraphon at the moment and they've, they've kind of been been my like safe safe space so i like the first models I ever bought was a box of the old eight hunchback lizard mensaurus um with my pocket money back then <laughs> um that was all i could afford at the time because i was like 10 yep. um and i wish i still had them but now i have like i think about 200 saurus in the cupboard Ugh. uh most of them unpainted uh i desperately need to get around to that but yeah no i've just i've always in, i've always loved the idea of the hobby and i've been in it my entire life so i kind of almost don't know any different at this point yep. so <laughs> let's just oh, chalk that cool. up to stockholm syndrome
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. You've just been addicted to it since since childhood, essentially.
1: Yeah. Basically.
0: Yeah. What, what do you reckon has kept you in the hobby then? Like, out of all of what you're doing with the hobby, there, do you find you have a, a connection to one pool, like the tournament scene, uh, painting, or even just social games?
1: Um, well, like anyone who knows me knows I'm relatively competitive at pretty much everything. Like, I, I like to kind of push push what I'm capable of and try and get up there. So. I've always enjoyed the gaming and the like, the intelligence challenge between two people. That that part of the the hobby, mm-hmm. um, but I love the community. Like I'm very introverted. Outside of this community, like if you meet me at a tournament, I'll, I will talk your ear off. Yeah. Um, outside of that, don't really care. I'm happy with just being <laughs> by myself. Yeah, um, but I've just loved the fact that everyone gets together and you're all passionate and obsessed about the same thing. And no one's going to make fun of you. It's like, oh, you've been talking about this for the last half hour. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm, I'm obsessed with this. That's awesome. I want to like, keep you. Like, You need to keep talking. Yeah. This is awesome. So really, the, the community is kind of a big part of it for me as well.
0: Yeah. And how did you sort of get into the community? Because obviously, as a younger person, you're not really community focused. You're like just hanging out with your friends or just doing one with your friends. How did you get into the larger, broader community?
1: Well, when I started, um, like I started with Warhammer Fantasy, Um, I picked up some Lizardmen and played a few just kind of mess around games with my friend who's his elder brother played. That's how he got into it. Um, But then um, kind of nothing kind of happened further than that. Like we just played around a bit. I read White Dwarfs. I went to the local library and borrowed them out and read them. Um, and it didn't really kind of kick off getting into the wild, wider community until I was a bit older and I started playing 40K just because that was what was big in Toowoomba at the time. Yeah. Um, so I started playing Eldar and that's when I kind of hit the tournament scene, went to like my first tournament. I think I lost most of my games. My army was painted with um, the really thick acrylic paints you get at school.
0: <laughs> the craft paints.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. Like it was compared to what, people do now it it was not great um but I had a great time absolutely great time hanging out with all the like teenagers and adults and back then there was probably about two or three guys that kind of almost took me under their wing a bit and were just like hey cool you're young but we can see that you're pretty switched on we're going to treat you like an equal and that's kind of what kept me in that tournament scene was being able to go to a tournament and just be one of the guys
0: Yeah, I feel that's the best way to get into it. Like you don't feel as much of an outsider when there's people trying to keep you in a part of their scene because everyone loves fresh blood sort of in the community scene just because it's someone new to interact with, new stories, new armies, new play styles, that sort of stuff. So I feel the older people sort of like essentially getting their claws into you and just holding you in that community scene is definitely a way to build the community. Um, yeah. I definitely feel it leans the best way to keeping people interested in the hobby. Um, cause yeah. I know yeah. I've heard of people being pushed out just cause they didn't have that sort of, you could even call it a mentor essentially. They didn't have that mentor for the hobby to keep them interested and entertained in the hobby. Cause it is a, a very sort of large investment you have to make to get into the hobby.
1: Oh yeah. It's an absolutely huge investment, especially like for younger people, like before you get your your first job, um, and you get fully addicted to the plastic crack. Um, it's, a, it's a lot of money for like pocket money. And even nowadays with being adults and having proper jobs, it's still a lot of money to, mm, to stay invested in it. Um, but having that sense of community and that sense of belonging, it mm. makes it a lot easier because like I've told people over the years, like when I'm like, oh yeah, I do this. They're like, oh, that's such a waste of money. And it's just like, well, Yeah, it's a lot of money, but it's really not a waste of money. Like I've still got some of the models that I've had for 10, 15 years. Yeah. But like I buy a model, I paint it up, I assemble it, I paint it, I then put it on the table. And then every time I put it on the table, I'm hanging out with mates, I'm hanging out with people who are um, passionate about the same stuff that I'm passionate about. And it's just an awesome time. So like if you look at it over the long term, yeah, it's a huge investment, but it's really not that much compared to other hobbies and compared to how much time that you can spend doing it, like if you go to an all-day tournament, you're spending eight, like 8 to 10 hours at just least. hanging out with mates. Yeah. Like that's awesome compared to like if you went and tried to spend 8 to 10 hours at a bar, you're dropping easy <laughs> to or 300 bucks. And yeah. you've, the only thing you've got at the end of that is a hangover. So,
0: yeah. It's definitely something you can... Like I'm just glancing now, looking at my own cabinet of stuff. It's something you can physically, tangibly have forever, essentially. Mm. You just yeah. sort to of get three things out of it. You get time with friends out of it. You get to play a game with it. And then you also paint with, paint it and then stare at it and admire something that you're really proud of.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got, I've got a few models that I've kind of got like separated, separated out, not because they're better painted. Some of them are absolutely atrocious. But it's because those models, whenever I see them, they're attached to particular memories. Mm-hmm. And it's memories of games with people or even just hanging out with mates. And that just brings me so much joy to be able to remember. It's like, oh, yeah, five years ago, I played this game against one of the guys who became a really close friend. But that was the first game I played against him. Um, and it was, a well, it was a fantastic game for me. Uh, he really didn't enjoy it. <laughs> um but just looking at that model just brings back that memory. And then that goes into all the like times that we've hung out after yeah. that. And he's like actually a really close friend now. So, um, yeah, it's, it's even that, like just being able to remember everything that's happened and how the hobby has connected to that for you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, definitely. Because um, a lot of people relate it to video games because... It's a a lot of people that are interested in this hobby are also interested in playing video games as well. Um, but people on the outside, especially even me myself, when I first got into it before I even bought models, I'm like, Oh, that's so much money for like 10 plastic models. I could buy a AAA video game for that much. Like, how is that worth it? But then getting into it, you realize instantly that it's not just the purchasing of the actual model it's everything else around it and about it that, um, gives you the value essentially. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's even just the time. Like I've kind of figured out for myself that I value my free time Mm -hmm. at, of entertainment at $2 an hour. If I can pay $2 for something and it keeps me entertained for an hour, that was a fantastic purchase. Yeah. So I I use that as kind of the metric of like, Oh, I could spend a hundred bucks on this new game. Oh, is it going to keep me entertained for 50 hours? Oh, maybe not. Or I could spend a hundred bucks on a new model that model is going to take me half an hour to put together and four or five hours to paint. And that's before I even put it on the table.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's excluding the times just looking at it and thinking up like, Oh, I could run in this list or I could try this out or Mm -hmm. that's before it gets to the table as well. So I definitely think it's a, Overall, for the long term view, I reckon it's actually a pretty cheap, cheap hobby to, oh, to stay com- invested in yeah. once you're already invested.
0: Yeah. Compared to other hobbies like cars or bikes or boats or even cycling or anything along that line, they're thousand dollar investments before you even get started. Yeah. And then they're thousand dollar weekly investments you've got to put in just to maintain whatever you your hobby is. Yeah. Um, so it's a very it's a cheap luxury hobby, I think. Overall. yeah
1: yeah yeah long term definitely it, it's one of the cheaper hobbies
0: yeah and then what do because you, you're massive in the community what do you feel like you get most out of just warhammer in general are you like i've seen you a lot of tournaments and stuff like that so i know you're a competitive gamer but do you sort of think about like list writing or painting or sort of what else sort of keeps you entertained in this hobby and what do you think p- keeps you pulled in
1: well, like like I was saying before, like I've kind of done it my entire life. So mm-hmm. I enjoy everything. Like yeah. I love some of the new models that are coming out and just seeing them and just going, oh my God, I can't wait to paint that. Um, and it's it's a, like almost a physical fight with myself to not buy some of the <laughs> new stuff that comes out just because it's like, oh, that model is so pretty. It's like, yes, but it doesn't go in any of your armies. You literally can't use it in anything else except to paint. But It's like, but I can paint it. Yeah. And then going on to, like, the list writing and the, the, um, the tactical elements to that and, like, reading and listening to what other people are doing and taking on board that and trying to trying – to, I really love looking for the, the thing that no one else has seen and mm-hmm. coming up with just that pure jank that odds are it's, like, odds are it's not great, but occasionally <laughs> you just find something that's just like, ooh, that's the new hot
0: thing. The diamond no in the rough? Seen but the diamond yeah. does something sometimes not all the time and it might have some janky little thing, but it might just work. And if it works, I've got a winner.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've like, I've written lists for for other games where I played like 20 games with it and it worked once, but that one time it worked. Oh boy. It was amazing. <laughs> But my brain just blacks out on the other 19 games that I lost horribly because...
0: (laughs) It's not worth remembering. ...the dice
1: didn't go my way, so... Yeah. Um, But, like, the list writing, the painting, and then you got the gaming, and then even just hanging out with mates. Like, um, the most recent kind of big tournament that I went to was GoldCon that Scott ran and talked about. Um, And I went down and stayed down at the coast with two of my mates, Bobby and Brady. Um, Bobby's from Dolby. Brady's also from Toowoomba. But even that night, we were just sitting around the table uh, with my wife and we were just talking trash about the other people who were there and our <laughs> games and who who we thought we were going to get matched up with tomorrow and coming up with dumb new lists. Um, I'm trying to convince Bobby to run a list with five demon princes. I don't think it's <laughs> any good, but I just I want to see him put it on the table. Um, but even just that, just we just sat around for like two to three hours and just chatted. Yeah. And it was an awesome time. So, like the entire weekend was fantastic because I hung out with awesome people, playing games. I got to play games, and then I also got to hang out with my mates and just chat and talk trash. So it was just—it's just kind of everything. So I'm like yeah, I am okay. almost the definition of like fully invested and obsessed with the overall black like, tabletop war game yeah. hobby.
0: That's how I sort of found it. Just it takes over your whole life. Your whole life revolves around war gaming like there's yeah. just all you can think about most of your friends are into it the wife is sick of or the, the girlfriend or the partner is sick of hearing about it because that's all <laughs> you talk about yeah uh it's a it's definitely a life-altering sort of hobby that's for sure well it's so in. easy
1: it, yeah it's so easy to to get invested in all the different aspects yeah. of it like i we haven't i haven't even mentioned that how many hours i've lost to reading all the lore from all the various mm-hmm. games and you read something about a character and you're just like, oh my God, I have to run that character next time I'm playing. And so you've got this absolutely ridiculous list, but it's got all your favorite characters from the book you just read. And you're just like, yeah, this is so awesome. And then you get completely tailored. It's like, doesn't matter. I'm playing with like (laughs) these, these heroes from, from this, this game, from this book. And you're like, no, this is awesome. I'm going to, I'll do better next time. And yeah, it's just, it's all consuming.
0: Yeah. I I still remember my first experience as I was just, I think it was someone's video on YouTube and they're talking about Scarbrand and I rocked up to one of the local shops and I saw someone playing with this like weird corn model. I'm like, oh, what's that? Because I hadn't seen the actual model and someone goes, oh, that's Scarbrand. And I'm like, oh, I just learned about this guy. Like, I just learned all the lore about it and I'm just like enthralled with seeing this dude I was just learning about on the table. It was, yeah, yeah it's definitely a...
1: Oh yeah, being able to go from kind of seeing something in a digital realm or reading yeah. about something and then seeing the physical model of it is just huge. And I know a decent amount of people are like getting into the hobby now because they've seen it in other forms of media, yeah. whether they've read a book or they've played like Tide or Dawn of War, mm-hmm. um, or they've even heard celebrities talking about it. Like I know Henry Cavill is um. Is huge into it, but yeah, the fact that he brings it up and he almost normalizes it—like, not that anyone who's into tabletop war is is weird or or, or kooky—but to have someone of kind of his renown, yeah, is probably the best word of it, just be like, yeah. no, this is this is a cool hobby. I enjoy this everyone's like, oh, maybe we, were, maybe we were a little bit too harsh to the, to the nerds in high school. Maybe yeah. maybe they're actually onto something here. So,
0: <laughs> if Superman enjoys it, I can enjoy it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the fact that he's, like, actively pushing to, to play Warhammer 40K characters yeah. in TV shows is
0: huge as well. So, oh, it's a big pull. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the fact that he's talking about it in general without sort of sponsorship or pushing it, it's just a thing that he enjoys I think that's maybe the biggest thing because people love enthusiasm about a hobby and you can tell he's enthusiastic about it because he'll sit there and defend it to a well-known TV host because that's what he loves. He's passionate about it.
1: Yeah. I remember seeing an interview with between him and um, I can't remember the actor's name, but the guy who plays Yaskia in the Witcher series. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about kind of what they were going to play for the next armies. And it's like, oh, I'm thinking I'm going to stick with my custodes. And it's like, oh, I'm thinking I'm going to, going to pick up Necrons. And you can see everyone else in the interview just kind of had this look on their face that was like, oh, God, they're talking about it again. <laughs> like, this is going to be derailed for the next 15, 20 minutes until we yeah. can get them back on topic. But it's cool, like you said, just to see people who are passionate about the same thing that you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to make sure that doesn't tip over the edge and become obsession. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you hear someone talking about something passionately, you kind of can't help but be convinced that, oh, yeah, no, that like that does sound really
0: cool. So- yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you were saying that your wife came down with you to the Gold Coast. How did your... So were you quite open with your wife when you sort of met her that you were involved in this sort of hobby or has she ever been interested in it?
1: Uh, So she, before we met, she had absolutely no idea about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But where I was living before when we started dating, I actually had like a little back sunroom uh, that I'd put cabinets all through and had a gaming table set up. And it was kind of like my pride and joy that was the coolest room that there was, that hobby was when room. I knew yeah. That, that was when I knew I'd made it as an adult because I had my <laughs> own dedicated hobby room, yeah. Um, so I had all my models up on display. Um, and the first time she came over, she kind of walked out there, kind of looked around, it's like, okay, well, this is something that you're <laughs> obviously into, and I was like, oh, how did you tell that I like this kind of stuff? Um, but going back to what we said before, I started like explaining, kind of cool, this is like the shortest version I've come up with for Warhammer or back then I was playing War Machine is it's a really advanced form of chess. Yeah. And she was like, okay, that, that kind of makes sense. And then I started explaining kind of like, cool, this is roughly how, like, this is how the game plays. These are the models. This is Mm -hmm. how, what it looks like. This is what happens. Um, And she told me later that because I sounded so passionate about it and we'd only just started dating. So she was still really into me at the time. (laughs) um, She was like, cool, well, this is something that he's really passionate about. I need to get on board. Yeah. Um, and that was one thing that kind of, it kind of sealed the deal a lot for us mm-hmm. uh, as a couple was because she didn't just tolerate my hobbies. She yep. was actively invested. Like, she, she's got her own uh, Seas of Sigma army. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not 100% painted and she plays all monsters in Anvil Guard, <laughs> but she's got an army. Yeah, she knows how to play. Like she enjoys coming to tournaments mm-hmm. to watch me play, and whatever game I'm playing, she learns enough that she can watch it and follow along and support yeah. it. Um, she does pull me up fairly often when I kind of jump over and get obsessed and kind of be like, "Cool, I want a half an hour deep dive on this new release that's coming out. <laughs> and why it's good or bad for the hobby?" And she's just like, "That's great. You're, you're kind of spiraling there. Message one of your mates."
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> like she, she's fine when i'm passionate she doesn't yeah. like when i'm obsessed but she is amazing she mm-hmm. like she supports me like we've traveled overseas for tournaments she's come with me she's hung out with the rest of the guys that we've gone over with yeah and those are some of the best memories that we have together so yeah, having awesome. someone that supports your hobby is huge so mm-hmm. for anyone who's just started dating their their partner and is looking to try and break the ice definitely just be passionate about it just be honest because if they don't like it well that's it they don't like it you're probably not going to be able to change them yeah if they if they tolerate it it's not too bad but if they kind of see how how much you enjoy it and how much fun you have playing it and the enjoyment you get out of it and they support you with that oh boy your your quality <laughs> of life just skyrockets so yeah
0: yeah, because I've noticed her walking in a few tournaments and she takes photos and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's that's great in of itself that you're able to get her involved so much that she's interacting with people that you're not even talking to. She's out there being her own person, taking photos and sort of expanding that community as well. In of yeah. itself, just being oh, able yeah, to get huge. there online and because she's taking photos of my armies and it looks awesome, so it's really a great way of expressing your army as well when someone can come around and take photos
1: oh yeah no it's fantastic that she she helps out with that um the one i will mention the one downside of her knowing how the game's played is when she watches me play and i make a mistake (laughs) i do not hear the end of it so (laughs) um so it's just kind of a running thing even like a couple of couple of weeks or months later she'll just be like oh yeah and you, you remember that this guy's got this rule, right. And I'll just be like,
0: oh, <laughs> what you tell me? <laughs> one time.
1: I'm not forgetting it again, ever again, but it's, it's just fun. Mm-hmm. Like to have someone that you're so close with that You can talk to about it is, is amazing. Like I, yeah, I'm, I'm speechless. I, I, Honestly, I could switch over to the obsession right now and just talk about her for the next next hour. But <laughs> I'm assuming people want to listen to more wargaming content than just me. Yes,
0: I'm sure. <laughs> Wax lyrical about my wife, so <laughs> we can read that on Twitter. I'm sure. <laughs> yes. So the main reason I wanted to interview to you today is because um, you run a lot of one days, and yes. I feel one day is an easy way for people to kickstart their community. Uh, in the way of running small tournaments to get people that are more casual gamers or even people that are quite experienced and get them to know each other to help build your community. Um, how did you go organizing and setting up your first tournament?
1: Uh, so the first tournament that I ran, um, like as a proper, proper tournament, was actually for War Machine and Hordes, um, and which was, once again, it was a one-dayer. Mm -hmm. Um, but back then the community, when I started running it, the community just kind of just undergone a bit of a split where a lot of the more serious veteran guys had kind of left the game, um, to move on to, to other games. Um, and a lot of the newer guys were the the only ones that are left. Um, and then back then I kind of got in touch with a few other of the guys around the area and we started going like, cool, we've got the chance here to kind of rebuild the community the way that we want it, which yeah. was everyone's welcome, it's open, everyone's just here for a good time. Yes, we've got some good serious players. Yes, we've got some guys that are more interested in the hobby aspect. Yes, we've got some guys that are just here for the beer and pretzels. They're all welcome at tournaments. How do we kind of promote that, um, that mentality and to get people coming to tournaments? And so what we did was rather than running two-day events was we are running small one-dayers yep. and we were just running a lot of them because like I can have a conversation with you about most things now because I've hung out with you at multiple tournaments. Yes, yeah. So whereas if you only met someone once at a tournament, you're probably not going to be that close and that chummy with them. But if you see the same guys month after month after month after month, you're gonna become friends with them, or you're gonna stop going. Yeah, those are sure kind on. of they're the only two options. Yeah, <laughs> and so just just getting people into get into stores playing games was the was the idea. Yeah, um, and so that's where we just went cool. We're gonna have awesome prize support. Back then, I ended up backing a couple of kickstarters, and I bought enough um, 2D near print terrain to run up to about a 60-player tournament just because we needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just took a little bit of, off the top of every tournament out of the prize support just to kind of refund me as the as the hiring fee almost for that terrain. Yeah. But it was kind of what had to happen so that we could run those tournaments. But mm-hmm. it's just running it and running it and running it and running it. And eventually, everyone just becomes friends. Yeah, okay. So like back then we had about six, seven guys in Toowoomba that were traveling to Brisbane once a month for a games day. And so when you're putting, like you're taking two cars down for a tournament and then you're coming back and that's what you're talking about for the next week and that's what you're chatting about on Facebook and in messages and it just really promoted how the game how the game developed in southeast Queensland, and it kind of culminated with um, uh, running the sexy series, which was the southeast yeah. <laughs> uh, southeast Queensland steamroller events. Was oh, uh, was tournament format. Um, so I know a couple of the people that I have to kind of shout out is uh, Potsy and Batesy. Um Both of those guys had a, a big input into it as as well as Tim. Um, but with that, we started running the series. And that just got people kind of consistently going. And that's that's something that I'm trying to do with the Gauntlet. Um, So for those of you who don't know, uh, the Gauntlet is a series of AOS tournaments that I'm running at the moment. Uh, We've got the third round of it happening at IF on the 19th. Um, Jump on down under pairings and on Facebook to register your spot to guarantee you got a place. Um, But the idea with it is to just get people showing up to tournaments and building that community. And it's already working.
0: Yeah, oh, which is fantastic as someone that's been to one and tried to go to the first one there's definitely the consistency of being able to go Oh, i know there's woman on this month if i go i'll know most people there but there'll also be new people that i've either seen at one tournament once or i've seen multiple times and now know them more than i normally would have if it was just a once a year big tournament
1: yeah yeah. And that's it. Like we want to grow the community because the more people who are playing it, the more people we have to play, mm-hmm. um, which is, is kind of the end goal for anything, because the more games you play, the better, whatever aspect of the hobby you want to get into is, is going to be. If you're into more in the painting, the more people play, painting means more people to talk about and more competition to really push you to that absolute limit. If you're there for the community, a bigger community is a great thing. If you're there for the games, more people to play is is fantastic because other people have different ideas and you'll be pushed to be able to adapt from one list to another, from one play style to another. And so getting that consistency and that's why I've structured the gauntlet the way it is with there's no guaranteed entries into the finals. It's all based on consistently coming and racking up those points. That's why I've structured it like that is to get people just showing up to events because, that's what people want to do, especially at the tail end of COVID, is play games. I know that's like that's all I want to do at the moment. Like I'm, my painting desk is full. My list of other things that I need to do is massive, <laughs> but I just want to play games. Like I wrote a new list last night that I was like, oh, I can't wait to put this on the table. It's probably complete trash, but if I can pull off this little tactic, it might actually work. Yeah, and so I want to put it on the table and try it out. So.
0: Yeah. Have you got any, Um. there was probably spoken quite in depth sort of about running consistent monthly tournaments. Have you got any sort of info on someone that wants to start their first tournament uh, and just getting it kick-started? Because I know always the thing is just do it. Like just get in and, and host a tournament and then go from there. You get more experience. But have you got any tips for someone wanting to now just go in and do it? The The biggest thing I can kind of recommend
1: is get engaged with the community. Um, Like you might have the greatest idea for tournament that has ever existed, but if no one shows up, it's a pretty dodgy tournament. Yeah. Um, But get in touch with the community. Like most communities I've found have usually got about four to five people that are kind of the key people. They're kind of like the, the unofficial leaders of kind of the friendship groups in the community. And you usually can target those people to get them to, to come to the tournament. Um, like I know there's a group in Toowoomba, there's about six guys and kind of unofficially, they all just kind of play the same game, but one guy's always the first. He mm-hmm. goes, oh, this game is cool. And then the rest of them follow suit. Yeah. So you, you you reach out to him and you go, hey, man, I'm running an awesome tournament. It'd be cool if you guys came. What do you think of these these things? And if they go, yeah, no, that sounds awesome. You don't just have one person, you've got six. Yeah. And that's how you can kind of build it up because you need people for a tournament, and so being able to kind of target those community, almost leaders, for lack of a better term. Yeah, that's that's what you want to that's what you want to do to, to get people to show up, and then from there you only ever get better and better at running tournaments. In my experience, um, the the more tournaments you run, the better you can handle the the curveballs that running a tournament throws at you. So you look at some of the the more experienced guys who are running tournaments. And if you talk to people that were around when they ran their first tournament, usually they're pretty rubbish compared to the events they're putting on now. So yeah, okay. And that's that's it's the same with every aspect of the hobby. It's just practice, practice, practice. So
0: mm-hmm. yeah, so it's more you need to make sure the community is sort of on board rather than just going out and freelancing, just going, yeah, I'm holding a tournament. It's more you need to have the community engagement to even get them interested in going to a tournament like that because i feel there are there have been tournaments that i've not even heard of and they've lacked numbers because majority of people in the community don't even know it's even been on or was a thing uh because they haven't done the community reach to figure out when's the best date what's the best way to get a hold of people and what's the best way to promote the tournament to the wider community because ultimately that's who your target is is getting the community on board. If community's not on board, well then you told them it's not going to go anywhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Like you put posts up on Facebook. Yeah, that's that's the bare minimum. But yeah. like you put up consistent posts, you put up cool pictures, you post pictures of prizes. Um, like you you actually like you're an event promoter. Mm-hmm. So you need to promote your event. If even if that's as simple as just calling around to the game store. And just saying, hey, like other game stores and saying, hey, I'm running this tournament. Can you tell you guys, um, guys that it's on? And yeah. just spreading the word out because the more people who know about it, if people don't come, that's fine. Like I, the first round of the gauntlet, we had 10 people. But that was because about five, six people dropped out last minute because they're like, oh, I've been a close contact for COVID. So I can't come. I was like, yeah, no, that that's fine. People are always going to drop out. People are always going to show up last minute, but it's it's just promoting it, getting the word out there. You want people talking about your tournament. Uh, and I know I've been like really, like it was a really cool um, feeling that I got when listening to other like local podcasts in the area. And they're just like, oh yeah, I'm really pumped for the gauntlet that's up next weekend. I was just like, oh, that's my tournament. <laughs> they're pumped to come to my tournament. That's because of me. Yeah. Um, and it's a good feeling. But behind that feeling is you spend a decent amount of time in front of your computer or messaging people saying, hey, I'm running this tournament. Like when I first started planning the Gauntlet series, I did up a survey Mm -hmm. um, and I sent it out to all the people in the community that I had met. And I said, hey, pass it on to your friends. Um, Like I'm pretty sure I sent it to you as well. Yeah, I got one definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it just even had some basic stuff like what's your favorite type of prize? Is it models? Is it merch? Is it vouchers? Yeah. Is it just cold hard cash? But even just doing that, yeah, you've got data then you can use to run your tournament better. Mm-hmm. But people know that it's happening. And that's yeah. the key thing.
0: And then how did you find, because obviously tabletop wargaming, we're playing on a tabletop. You've got senior or terrain. How did you find trying to organize terrain, tables, a venue? What sort of information would you get to or sorry, give to someone who wants to start this? And because I know that's a very daunting sort of thing. It's like I've either got to put money in here, I've got to approach someone that has all the terrain or has all the tables, and then trying to figure out a venue because I know that's a large part of cost as well. What can what sort of experience can you like? Tips can you give for that?
1: The the best tip that I can give is is talk to people. Talk to people other people who are running tournaments in your area. Talk to game store owners. Like I because I've been in the hobby for so long, I'm on a first name basis with pretty much every game store owner in southeast Queensland. Um, like I've got close friends that run about four of the bigger stores in the area, and so I can call up and say, "Hey man, I want to run a tournament at." this date for this game, is this doable? Mm-hmm. And they usually say, yeah, awesome. Like how what how many tables do you need? What terrain do you need? What else do you need from what else do you need from us to make this an awesome event? Because that's the easiest way to to get all the basics because they've got most of the basics. They've yeah. got tables, they've got terrain, and they've got access to the community as well to promote it. Yeah, and okay. the more people who are going into those stores, the more money that is being spent in those stores, even if it's just a drink. Like every time I go away for a tournament, if it's at a game store, I try to buy something. It might be a pot of paint. It might be a new brush. It might be a new starter box for a new army because I got tabled in round five and I was like, stop it, I'm (laughs) going to join these guys because they're clearly better than me. Um, But you try and spend money. I, I at least try and spend money in there because they hosted the event. Yeah. And so building that relationship as, hey, if you run a tournament in, if we run a tournament in your store, you're probably going to do an extra two to 300 bucks. That means game stores are going to be like, hell yeah, run more tournaments. We'll invest in terrain, tables, and space. Like I know IF has just got that extra room and that's huge. They can now run two decent sized events at the same time, which, really no other store can. Um, I know battle stations up in Toowoomba uh, AK has been really heavily investing into getting the, his tables to be a really high standard. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would have seen it at the the last Gauntlet. Yeah. Did. I supplied about six tables of terrain. Yeah. And he supplied the other six and the six that he supplied were absolutely top notch. Yeah. Uh, so it was it was excellent terrain, which is which just makes it that much easier to then run tournaments in there. Like I've got six tables worth of terrain because that's all I can really afford if I still want to try and buy models for myself um, and not start pulling from the mortgage and get in trouble <laughs> from the wife. Um, so being able to kind of, Hey, this is what I'm bringing to the table. Stores are kind of, well, most stores will meet you halfway. So yeah. I know the, the tournament down in IF that I'm running, I've said, Hey, I've capped it at 24 people. I can provide six tables of terrain. You've got to provide the rest. And they're like, yep, cool, no problem. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll make that happen. If you're going to put 20 bodies in the store that are spending money, then that's a, that's a no-brainer for them.
0: Yeah, it's, it's money coming in that would otherwise not be there. And all they've got to do is maybe have an extra staff member on board because most of the time they're already in the store anyway and they're already heavily involved in the community. So no, John... Is a big proponent of community. Like he's built that IF store in the last year. It's bought two more shops, like yeah. so, and that's all from community focus being around, and him willing to put in the effort and time, uh, and it's seen it store explode enough to get another a second store in Burley. Like we've picked yeah. up a second gaming store for Irresistible Forces, what was calling IF. Um, but they're they're taken over the southeast Queensland because of the community around them. And their willingness to put time and effort into that community.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I know it's the same up here in Toowoomba with with AK battle stations. Like he's been in this community for like probably long. He's longer than me,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and he's he. It's his business, so it's in his best interest to make sure the community grows. To that he's got, so he's got more people that are going to be spending money in his store. So he's investing in terrain and tables and display armies. And he's always running some sort of campaign or promos. Like one of the things I'm working on at the moment is um, uh, Underworld's Warband yeah. um, for one of his painting contests. Mm-hmm. And like an Underworld's Warband, I think it was like 30 bucks or something. But that's 30 bucks. I probably wasn't going to buy. But he's like, hey, we're going to run a painting contest for small units, three to five models. You got six wings to paint and put them in the cabinet. Yeah. Why not? I'll buy some models. I'll enter that painting contest. It'll be a bit of fun. <laughs> yeah. So I've seen what some of the other entries look like, and I'm pretty confident I'm not going to win. <laughs> um, but it's still, like, it's cool to go into a shop and be like, those models in that cabinet, they're mine. I painted mm. them. So
0: Yeah. I don't want to sort of shortcut all the time and effort you've put into it. Um, how did you feel? Because a lot of people, their draw sometimes to a tournament is winning prizes and stuff like that. How did you find the community best reacted to certain things? Did you find it was prize support or maybe like winning a model or money or whatever? Like, what did you find the community most enjoyed out of tournaments? Just to give a bit more info for people, because I know people don't generally, if all the money goes to the person that's organized the tournament, it feels a bit lacklustre. Uh, Because I've heard people in the past where the money has just gone to the event organiser and that was it. Or the person who's running the the convention takes the majority of the profits. Um, How did you feel investing money and finding that the tournament was receptive to prizes and stuff like that?
1: It's always good to see like a tournament entry fee go towards something that is going to benefit the players. Like as much as I would like to line my pockets from... (laughs) from running tournaments um, it's it's not a smart business move because you're no. not going to make anything.
0: And we're not all frontline um, gaming in America. That's, yeah. that's their job, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and that's it. That's their job. So they put in that extra bit of effort. The rest of us, we do it as a bit of a hobby. I, I have a bit of more of a vested interest. I've started my own uh, wargaming supplies company, mm-hmm. um, like doing battle mats, objectives, dice, widgets, that kind of thing. So I'm trying to promote that as part of the Gauntlet series. But the main thing that people want is they want games. The, yeah. the prizes are kind of an afterthought, but if it's all going to the TO, everyone, like you said, just gets that kind of icky feeling. It's like, oh, ah, yeah. that's, that's a bit dodgy. So I know a lot of the time what I try to do is, is just cover the bare costs. Mm-hmm. So I know with the Gauntlet series that I'm running, uh, I'm donating some of my own stock as prizes, okay. uh, but I am taking a cut from each tournament to fund the overall series prizes Mm -hmm. Um, because I've got uh, one of the big things that we're doing as part of the series is I'm actually giving away a 2000 point painted army
0: which is massive Um, (laughs) there's a lot of time money and effort put into something like that
1: yeah so and like I don't mind taking a bit of a hit to promote the hobby and promote my business Mm -hmm. but I can't afford to be giving away an army every year because um, yep. that gets very expensive very quickly, and my wife would get very mad. Um, <laughs> probably because I would end up having to give away her army at one point. <laughs>
0: it's the first one on the cutting block.
1: Yeah, oh, I don't want to give away my my guys. I, I use <laughs> yeah. them, um, but it, it's kind of it's finding that balance. Like ideally, mm-hmm. you want as much of the money as possible that's coming into a tournament to be going back to the people who are playing in the tournament, whether that's in prize support, whether that's in um, putting on lunch as well. Uh, I'm actually debating at the moment trying to run a 2 dayer at a convention centre that will actually have an open bar for rounds two, three, and four. Mm -hmm. The downside of that is then it's more money up front for all players. So it's finding that balance where some people, uh, I don't want to name names, but Paddy. If um, <laughs> he went to a tournament with an open bar, he's probably not making it to round five, but he's going to be getting his money worth, money's worth from that tournament.
0: Yeah. And, and open people- bar definitely adds a different environment. Like, because I know sometimes I'll be playing in a tournament like, oh, I'd just love a nice cold beer to be playing there. But then there's the drawback of it costs a lot more to hire those venues. But I think once the venue has had one tournament there, they realise, oh, this is not a worry. (laughs) They're spending (laughs) thousands of dollars a day on beer and it's way outlaid the event higher. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's that's all that comes with kind of the more you run tournaments, you get a better idea of whether or not a venue is firstly good for the tournament. Then it's good value, whether or not the players will enjoy it. I've I've run events in RSLs where they put us in the basement, and at the end of the day, everyone was just kind of like, "Hey, let's 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 not come back here." Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, no, nah, these, these <laughs> guys aren't fun to deal with. Like, we're not coming back here." Yeah. Whereas other events, like you go and you um you talk to Gabe about the the Runax ones, and he's putting like two to three hundred nerds in a in a in a hall at um at Fitzies, and they're just like hell yeah come back like do you guys want to run two or three events a year because like (laughs) we'll make that happen what what do we need to do to help you
0: yeah yeah
1: and everyone has a great time because everyone's invested in making the event awesome yeah and that's where that's where that's that's your goal you want people to have a good time yeah Uh, it doesn't matter if you're walking away with a prize or not if people have a good time you're done you've done your job as a to
0: and i feel a lot of the times especially even at like uh so the Fitzy's, which is a pub around us here, people in the tournament don't want to ruin it for everyone else. Like mm-hmm. the community is very respectful and they know the luxury it is to be playing in a convention exhibition hall in a, in a, a, a like a, a pub like that because it's a bit of a rarity in the Australian scene anyway to be in such a large thing so we don't want to ruin it for ourselves so the community in general is quite respectful even when if it's not at a um, convention like that even just in a gaming shop everyone's very respectful and all the tournaments have been to I've not seen anyone play up or even be like rude to staff or even like don't want to try and point it out, but people no one's tried to steal anything. No one's done anything ill towards these events or these venues. So the community's always been very helpful in this sort of aspect of tournaments that I've noticed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's it. The, like as much as the TO has an investment into making a tournament good, so does the community because the mm. more people who are running the tournaments, that means there's more tournaments for people to go to. Um, and like, even though I'm running tournaments, I love playing in tournaments still. There's one a week before the next gauntlet round that um, Clint's running up here. It's just a little casual doubles one, but I am pumped just to play and just to have some fun games against my mates and, yeah. and ideally meet some new people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, is there anything else in regards to tournaments that you wanted to have a quick chat about? Because um, I know you're running the gauntlet series. Uh, which we can do a big spiel about that at the end to to sort of pull people in towards that. But in regards to running tournaments, is there any last sort of tidbits you wanted to offer? Um, I think the biggest, the most advice that I can
1: give someone who's looking to start running tournaments is just just talk to people. Like Mm -hmm. everyone in the community benefits if a tournament goes well. The game stores benefit because people buy more models. The players benefit because they have an awesome time. The TO benefits because they get more experience and they know how to improve the next time so just talk to people. Everyone is invested in you doing well as a TO. So no one's, well, very few, if any people are going to be out to like actively sabotage you. Everyone just wants to go and play a a fun and have a fun time. So just talk to people, be friendly, be personable and yeah, try and improve each time. Try and do that bit better. Same with everything you paint, same with every time you put models on the table. You just Mm. try and just, Don't make that same mistake last time. Try and do just one part of it that bit better each time and you'll improve and everyone will
0: have an awesome time. Yeah. Well, hence why I got sort of Henry on here. He sort of promotes the community. I promote the community as well. So having people learning about this sort of stuff helps build more communities. Like it just Mm. sort of tries to sort of launch other people and, and newer people into the scene. And the more people get in the scene, the more fun you're going to have.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's it.
0: Uh, so you were saying you're entering in an um, Underworld's Warband. Um, so you're quite a bit of a fan of doing painting for yourself then?
1: Ah, uh, well, like, I think my models look cool. Um, <laughs> other people would probably question that decision. Um, but, yeah, I'm currently painting up the the, the Mystery Army that yeah. we're giving away at the Gauntlet, but then also the um, size Curse Breakers, the Educator's yes. Stormcast Warband. Uh, I've been kind of because i run a lot of painting contests up here the first one was a duel that i did between a, a stormcast hero and a, a saurus oldblood okay and then kind of from that i really liked how i managed to get the the stormcast hero with some really nice kind of flat non-metallic metal
0: mm-hmm.
1: And I've kind of just gone, well, cool. If they're always going to run painting contests, I can just always enter Stormcast. <laughs> yes. And so we're about six or seven contests in now, and I've got probably about 1,500 points of, of Stormcast. That's, I like to think it's really nicely painted, but it, it's the models that I've really spent the time and effort on because they're for a painting contest. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not just trying to smash them out before a tournament.
0: Yeah, the old tournament deadline that everyone yeah. seems to love.
1: Oh, well, it, it's great for getting stuff done. It's yep. a little bit more question questionable when you're, when you're trying to paint quality.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, no, I definitely know that. I've, I've had enjoyment out of doing both army painting and display painting. Uh, they're definitely two different things, that's for sure. Do you yeah. reckon you've got a sort of style to your painting? Uh, I I'm not great at blending. Mm-hmm. um like wet
1: blending is still I, I just can't seem to crack it i know it's just a case of i just need to practice more yeah um so my style could probably best be described as just clean and flat mm-hmm. um just building up colors through layers just trying to get that nice transition through the standard colors that exist in the in the paint yep. range um but i i really like it i think it, it, lo- it looks really nice on the table and it pops out quite well um but you look at some of the other people that just take it up to the next level and it's yeah it's i'm definitely lacking in kind of my my painting toolbox so i've just started playing around with with an airbrush mm-hmm. uh so i'll see if i can use that to kind of cheat and try and improve, improve my blending that way the
0: airbrush is magical i'll put it as that way like it's it just improves so much more than you really realized you're like why didn't i do this 10 years earlier yeah
1: I've yeah heard well, of- one of my yeah, one of my War Machine armies is yellow and mm-hmm. lots of big, flat, yellow <laughs> armor sections. All of it has been brush painted.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, because it's all packed away at the moment. But I cannot wait to get them out with the airbrush and just be like, oh, yeah. instead of doing 15 layers, I'm going to do two coats with an airbrush. It'll and it just buttery
0: looks- smooth as well.
1: Yeah, and it's going to look so much better. And then I'm going to, once I do that, I'm probably going to look at the rest of the models that I've painted. It's probably close <laughs> to... Oh, probably a hundred or so models and just look at them and just be like, do I want to repaint all of these?
0: Yeah. Well, I'll definitely try and get some photos from me and we'll post them up so people can sort of have a look at the, the Henry Wagner style. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've talked extensively about War Machine. So is this your main side game or main game that you've had for a while? So how it worked for me is kind of
1: the first models I bought were Fantasy Mm -hmm. um, and then I kind of switched to 40K just because that was kind of the scene in Toowoomba at the time. I then went back to Fantasy around when I was about 17, 18 um, and played Fantasy fairly extensively then. That's when I kind of started getting more into the tournament scene um, and playing more competitively. And then uh, one of the guys that I knew from when I played hockey was down at the shop and he was actually running a promo game for War Machine. Okay. And I went over there and said hi and like, was like, cool, what's, what's this? why is this better than 40K or Fantasy? And he said, it is a tighter rule set and a much more competitive game. Yep. And he knew exactly what he was saying and then I was just hooked. <laughs> the competitive um, Henry was hooked. Yes, I was just like, "Cool, I can beat people, and it's there's no gray areas. There's no oh, but if I interpret it, not there's none of that. It was yeah. just clean, good. Um, so it became kind of my main focus okay. uh, for a good chunk of time that I took really seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of I traveled all around Australia, uh, attending tournaments for it. I actually went overseas a couple times. I played at the um, the World Team Championships for oh, wow. Machine of yeah. the Australian teams in 2016. Mm-hmm. And then 2018, I was asked to captain one of the teams back there as well.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Um,
1: so yeah, that was absolutely fantastic experience. Yeah. Uh, would, I would highly recommend to anyone, if you travel away for a tournament, go with a bunch of mates and you will just have an amazing time. Um, but that was really kind of, I I pushed myself to the limit Mm-hmm. Um. To with how good I got at games. Um, yeah. Okay. Which was fantastic because, like, I really enjoyed the c- competitive aspects of it. Um. Probably my proudest gaming moment ever was round one of the 2018 War Machine, uh, WTC. Yep. Uh, we actually played on the stream in in round one against oh, wow. a Greek team. Yep. And international tournament your nerves are like you're a little bit nervous mm-hmm. playing on stream and having everyone watch it and have it <laughs> commentated. I, I just kind of like they interviewed me at the start and at the end and i I I'd like to think I came across as like cool and collected, but inside I was just like, don't screw this up. Don't screw this up. Don't make a mistake. Don't do something dumb. Um, but that game that I played on the stream, uh, I played flawlessly. Awesome. Um, if I, if I do say so myself. I, <laughs> I can't really refute that.
0: My, That's for sure. I've not seen this game. <laughs> my own trumpet.
1: Um, but it came down to there was a couple of just really, really well thought out plays mm-hmm. that won me that game. And we won the round, uh, which was a huge relief. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But being able to play at that, that, like that international level and yeah. being able to do well is, is fantastic. And like the guys that I traveled overseas with, I, I still keep in touch Mm-hmm. In touch with, like it was an absolutely awesome experience, awesome time., uh, my wife traveled over yeah. with, with us then as well. Cool. Um, and she became one of the guys as well. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was it was fantastic. so it was it was very much kind of I like really pushed to the limit. yeah the problem happened just after I came back from the second WTC. Some of the other guys in the community weren't as keen at as for the competitive play. Mm-hmm. um and so they started kind of dropping away and then we had a few people in the in the community kind of leave just because of life one of my mates moved over to norway and yep. two of the guys just had kid had their first kid um and so the community just ended up just getting decimated so there's only a couple oh, okay. yeah and that was kind of when i made the switch over to aos because when i did that there was always guys down there playing aos and i was like this, yes this looks awesome it doesn't look like it's got as tight a competitive rule set, but it doesn't matter how great your rule set is. If no one's playing it, you're not going to get a game.
0: Yeah, that's right. So,
1: yeah. And then I started playing AOS, learned the rules, and I was like, hey, no, this rule set's pretty good. There's mm-hmm. there's a few gray areas. There's a few things that I'm not, not a huge fan of in the rules, but that's that's the same with any rule set. But, yeah, since then, um, I've switched over fully to AOS and kind of focusing all my efforts and in taking the lizards all the way.
0: Yeah. Oh, cool, because I know quite a few people in the OS community that I've spoken to and then part of Simple Math. They all came from War Machine Hordes as well, like Kredi and stuff like that. Um, So it's definitely interesting to see someone that's come from more of the top end of that sort of system um, because I never experienced any War Machine. I came into the hobby much later than that. Uh, So it's good to sort of hear about those sort of experiences. And then because you've played at such a top level, do you think there is a way... um, because obviously, tra- like, wall gaming in general transfers very easily between gaming systems because it's more of a mindset rather than the actual rules itself. Is there any tips you could give newer people on how to just up their game to the next sort of level, even if it's a casual game, being able to give your mates more of a, a longer-lasting game because you're not making silly mistakes? well it's it's kind of exactly that it's it's silly mistakes like
1: majority of the time, at least in my experience is when you lose a game it's because you've done something wrong mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, like dice have a very big impact in the game uh so you can't always plan for everything to go right but majority of the games that i have lost i have lost because i made a tactical mistake i decided to go left instead of right i decided to attack unit a instead of unit b
0: you decide to leave go trek into your whole army yeah yeah
1: (laughs) yeah just stand there and go i can take him and go that was a mistake (laughs) um but it's come down to me um and that's the thing that i don't like trying to focus on what your opponent has done better Mm -hmm. i always focus on what i've done poorly because i can't make my opponent play worse, yep. not without getting really dodgy and some very questionable tactics. <laughs> Stay tuned afterwards. We'll, we'll show you how to win by
0: cheating. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> Ten tricks they don't want you to know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's focusing on yourself and just focusing on the little things and building that muscle memory because I, mm-hmm. I kind of equate it similar to a sport um, where you don't need to get everything perfect straight off the bat. Like you rock up for your first tournament, odds are you're going to lose all your games, and that's okay. No yeah. one is expecting you to go five and zero at your first two day tournament. Just don't
0: bring the filth, <laughs> or yeah. you get caught out.
1: Um, but you focus on the little things. Yeah. So um, one thing that I am still working on with my Seraphon is working through my hero phase in the same order every single game. So the first thing I do before I do battle tactics, before I do anything else, slant generate CPs, starseer generates CPs, star priest generates CPs. Okay. Now I need to choose a uh, asterism. Now I need to choose a battle tactic. Now I need to choose a heroic action. Opponent chooses heroic action. And it's just working through those little parts to get them consistent. Yeah. Um, so one thing that my wife loves to tease me with is my first turn for war machine with one of the lists because I practiced it so much for the WTC. She had my first turn memorized. <laughs> um, and so she'll just be like, cool. Blightbringer runs forward, rolls for four. And it's incredibly annoying because I haven't played that game in four, four years, <laughs> but because I played it so often, I had the exact same, I said the exact same thing at the start of every single game because every game started the same way. You do certain things. You get these spells out. You move in these positions. And it's the same for AOS. You've got things that you will consistently do. So it's learning them so that they become second nature. And then it becomes muscle memory. Yeah. And then from there, that's when you can then focus on the other thing. So it might be a case of I played a recent game against Gary and my screening wasn't perfect. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I screened well at one point, but then I didn't screen well at another point. So the next time I play Gary or the next time I play a general, that's what I'm focusing on at the moment is my screening is something that I can control and I can make that perfect. Yeah, okay. So it's it's focusing on just those little things. And then once my screening's perfect, then I might switch to cool. My next thing I need to do is I need better target priority mm-hmm. or I need better orders of activation or I need to be able to... I need to know what other people's counter abilities are and like remembering rallies and repositions and unleash hells and those things. Yeah. And just slowly building up and building up and building up. And that's, that's what I would say is kind of the hallmarks of your top tier players is they know everything. Um, yeah, I so like I, I, I talked to, uh, to Dave Kerr about he went undefeated at the recent gauntlet Um, And in in his last game against you, he (laughs) sacrificed one of his units to deny you a battle tactic. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, But for me, that was a case of cool. Only an absolutely top tier player has got their list so down pat that they know everything about it, that they can start playing the opponent's battle tactics.
0: Yeah. So it's all about getting the basics down first and then diving into the minutiae and getting each part right so you're not making errors. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's it. Like, a lot of the games come down to unforced errors. Like, Mm -hmm. there will always be the games where you just got out-positioned or he made a 12-inch charge or something spiked and you couldn't do anything about it. That's fair. It's a dice game. But it's the unforced errors that, oh, if I had put those guys that little bit further away or I'd properly screened there or Mm -hmm. I forgot this guy could do this as well, those are the ones that you can improve on. And so that's the stuff you should focus on.
0: They even use that in tennis, the unforced errors term, because that's, again, something that is an unforced thing. You've just done it to yourself because you have not done something properly and it's caused you to have an error. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you very much for coming on, Henry. Uh, it was good to chat with you and good to yeah, sort nice. of talk about um, organising one-day tournaments. Is there anything you want to leave us with before we head off?
1: Um, check out my Facebook page, uh, Polymath Tabletop. Uh, we've also got a YouTube channel and a Twitter, but we don't really use Twitter, so don't bother following us on that. <laughs> uh, apart from that, everyone should come to as many gauntlet events as possible. You could win a absolutely boss gauntlet um, that you get to take home and keep forever. Um, otherwise, just get out there and play games. Get involved in yep. the hobby. Every, everyone benefits the more people who play. So get out there and play games and get your friends into it. Get their friends into it. Get their friends into it and just snowball from there and then everyone will play.
0: Yeah. And the gauntlet something that's run in Southeast Queensland as well, by the way, just so yes. people are aware. Yep. It's just a tournament series. Uh, but I'll definitely post a photo of the gauntlet because it looks sick. A Real mail was it is, it? is just the plate mail?
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, stainless steel plate mail.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely uh, something you want to try and win. It's a very probably once in a lifetime thing that no one would ever have in their trophy cabinet. Is a stainless steel plate mail gauntlet? That's for sure. Yep. So yep, I'll hopefully, I'll see people definitely there. Definitely
1: something are, to brag about.
0: Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Henry. I love chatting yep, with you, and learning me. about everything. Thank you very much.
1: Excellent. Thank you.
0: Bye.